Hi everyone, my name is Nandini Biani, and I'm a student from the Translational and Molecular Medicine program at U Ottawa, studying in the Science Communication course. I will be your host for this special episode for Beats Research Radio, a podcast and YouTube channel that aims to make science more accessible to the community. For today's topic, we will be discussing growing blood vessels using 3D bioprinting. To further discuss this, with us today, we have Dr. Mustazo Guadalan, who is an assistant professor at Carleton University in the Department of Systems and Computer Engineering. She received her bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Sao Paulo, and then went on to receive her PhD from the University of Manitoba and her postdoc from the University of British Columbia. Currently, Dr. Mustazo Guadalan's research interests include image analysis, extracellular matrix remodeling, and 3D bioprinting. She has recently published a paper that uses a new microfluidic-based three-dimensional bioprinting technology and AGC BioInc to promote the angiogenesis of SBRBEC cells. Thank you so much for joining us today, Doctor. To begin, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this field of 3D bioprinting? Sure, first of all, uh, it's my pleasure to be here today, so thanks for the invitation. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting story. I, I started my work, as you mentioned, um, most of my expertise relies on imaging and image processing. So during my, my PhD, I did a lot of work characterizing biomedical tissues, in that case was related to cardiovascular diseases and so on. But uh, moving forward to my postdoc, I started looking more into lung tissues. And that was when I was introduced uh, to the idea of having in vitro models to mimic what's happening with the real tissues that we have in our body. So I realized then that uh, the information that we can get with uh, cell cultures and so on is rather limited. And um, of course, alternatives are using animals for this kind of research. But uh, at some point, animals also become the other side of the spectrum, right? So it becomes a little too complex for some applications. And uh, that was the point when I, I, I decided to explore more the, the world of tissue engineering and 3D bioprinting. So then we could have a kind of an intermediate state, step between cell culture and the use of animals. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. Were there any other challenges that you guys faced? Well, going to a new field, it's always, uh, it's always a transition period, right? So we have to be aware of learning from the, from the basics and, uh, learning the new challenges of the area. So my, I have, at that point, I had done a lot of imaging work. So diving into 3D bioprinting was completely new for me. Mm-hmm. But as everything we do, you just dedicate yourself, learn a little bit, and then eventually you, you get the idea of how to, to contribute the most to the area. For sure. That's really interesting. So we found your paper on angiogenesis and growing blood vessels really interesting. Would you be able to explain the concept in a way that maybe someone who isn't in science would be able to understand? Yeah, sure. So that paper was about um, how we can artificially trigger the formation of new blood vessels. And... Um, in our bodies, we, we always have uh, this natural processing process happening. So we, we have tissues growing, we have vessels developing, and so on. And um, in our research, we wanted to see if we could find a way to 
get this process going in, in the lab, basically, right? So then we could vascularize, we could have the, the artificial tissues irrigated with nutrients, just exactly what ha happens in our body. So in that paper, we started using a cutting-edge technology that's called uh, microfluidics-based 3D bioprinting. And uh, we used a special type of uh, bio-ink, which is just a... Um, kind of a little solution that uh, can be made of a combination of different materials. And uh, that's what we use to create uh, three-dimensional structures. And then from there, we tried to, we started looking into how to mimic all this network and all the, the arrangements that we have in the blood vessels in our body. That's a really clear response. Thank you so much for breaking it down for us. We also found it really interesting that you found the 3D printed vascular structures are more durable when using SVRBEC cells in hydrogel rings. What led you guys into using these cells specifically? Yeah, that's an interesting point. So this work, uh, the leaders of this project actually are my collaborators from the National Research Council. And they do a lot of work already in the domain of understanding the brain and the brain structures and so on. So the, the choice of using those cells came from their side because that was already something that they had going on. So from there, we decided to explore if uh, we could use those types of cells to actually grow a little more efficiently these artificial blood vessels, right? So... Um, we, at that time, we decided to see if we could incorporate a 3D bioprinting strategy to create these complex vessels, networks, and so on. So selecting the, that specific cell type and the, the ring of, uh, that we, we made those constructs was basically a, a choice that was a good one for this, uh, for this purpose. And so the choice for rings and, uh, that came uh, after trying quite a few different designs, per se. So we, we did not start with rings. We started with uh, kind of more solid constructs. We started with uh, square-shaped constructs. And um, after a few interactions, we noticed that um, depending on the, the geometry of the construct, the nutrients was not, were not reaching all the cells that we had in there. So then we started thinking about, okay, how can we allow... The, the cell media or the, the food for the cells to actually percolate the, the whole sample, right? The whole construct. And that's when we eventually came down to this idea of printing rings because then you can have, the cell media is basically a liquid. So when you print something, you have this sample or this construct in a, in a liquid. And imagine if you immerse a ring in water. So you will have water surrounding more parts of the tissue instead of if you do a, I don't know, a big square, right? So the middle of the square is not going to be exposed to the, to the nutrients. But if you do a ring, the middle is a little more in contact with that. So that was a finding that came as a result of our data and analysis and observations during the project. And uh, I guess I just wanted to, to highlight the importance of uh, the scientific exploration, right, and discovery, because sometimes we, we find things and we find interesting things just during, during the, the research process itself. For sure. That's really interesting. Thank you. So just, I know you were mentioning the SVRBEC cells. So just going back to that, at the time, did you guys actually try any other cell types? And would that have mattered in any way? Again, we can do that with different types of cells. But because this project is part of a, a bigger project and uh 
because uh, our collaborators from the National Research Council are working with um, brain-related topics, we wanted to use some cells that were more closely related to brain-related research, right? So that was one of the reasons that we ended up focusing on those cells. But I'm not saying that's the only choice that we have. We could use different ones, but for this specific application, having something more related to brain was, uh, was a choice that made sense. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so in your paper, your team used a novel technique called microfluidic-based 3D bioprinting. Could you please elaborate on what this is and how it works? Yeah, for sure. So this is a rather new and kind of advanced technology that uh, is coming along uh, more recently. So the idea is, the, it's a mouthful, it uh, sounds like a complicated name. Basically, the idea is we will be manipulating very tiny amounts of fluids when we are doing the 3D printing. So when we do 3D bioprinting, it's just like the, kind of a regular 3D printing process. But instead of having the, the filaments, the plastic, the polymers, you will have cells and biomaterials. For the microfluidics one, we also use biomaterials, we also use cells, but um, for the microfluidics, we will rely on the properties of uh, fluid dynamics. So we take advantage of um, these phenomena to have a little more control of how the deposition of the cells, how we want to create, let's say, gradients of different materials. We can have a little more freedom to custom design structures that hopefully is going to mimic a little better the, the organs or the tissue that we are trying to print. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you for that explanation. Um, one of the limitations that you mentioned in the paper for in vivo work was the lack of spatial control. Do you guys have a potential method or hypothesis to tackle this limitation? Is this something that is currently being worked on in your lab? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So it's a, we joke that's a million dollar question, right? So it's not only us that are looking to that, but several other researchers are exploring these different strategies to improve the, the spatial control, especially when you are doing 3D printing, that's something really important. And um, there are quite a few ways you could try to not solve, but improve this problem. And one of them is related to, for example, the, the design of the biomaterials themselves. So there is also a way to, to try to guide these decisions based on computational modeling. So there are quite a few fronts that people can explore. In my lab specifically, we are at the moment more on the application side of things. So we, we do collaborate with researchers looking into those questions. But uh, for us, it's mostly about we are trying to, through imaging, to see how much things have been improving depending on the strategies that others are developing. So we are kind of uh, in the middle, the middle group in the pipeline of development. Perfect. And so overall, with the current research in 3D bioprinted vessels, are there any other limitations that you found? Oh, there are different ones, like spatial control for sure is one, but uh, questions related to cell viability, for example, because uh, when you put the cells through the process of bioprinting, for example, you are exposing them to sheer forces, and uh, you're basically making them squeeze through little channels and so on. And uh, that can damage a little bit the cells and compromise their behavior. So that's one active area of research as well, because uh, of course we want to have as many cells alive and happy as we can possibly have. Um, 
in terms of uh, choices of biomaterials, that's another big challenge because depending on the application, you will have the whole idea is for you to construct those 3D structures and have them holding up whatever structure you were wanting to print. But uh, quite often, there is a trade-off. The materials that the cells like are the ones that are more challenging for you to keep structure. And the ones that are really good for structure quite often are the ones that the cells don't like that much. So finding that fine line between something to make the cells happy and at the same time allow the, the structure to be preserved, it's, uh, it's something that's quite challenging and it has been, again, researched by many groups and it's always the, the big question in many of the projects involving 3D bioprinting. What, what's the, going to be the choice of biomaterials, right? Yeah, that definitely sounds like a tricky balance. Thank you so much for sharing. And so, what are the future steps of your work in this specific project? Yeah, we we are actually actively working now on developing some lung and airway models. So, we are very active in these lung research domain and imaging and so on. And um, at the moment, we are developing mostly lung-related projects. And uh, this one related to the blood vessels is going side by side. The plan is in the future for sure to have them converging because uh, that would mean that we could be able, if we master the, the way to develop blood vessels and to make them develop properly in the 3D printed constructs, that would allow us, for example, to make bigger airway models because then we can allow the nutrients to flow inside of the, the 3D structures that we are printing. So at the moment, the two big areas that uh, my group have been working on, they, they are going side by side. But thankfully, um, the plan is to have it, uh, both of them converging. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. So I think that's all the questions that we had for today. Thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us. Your answers were very insightful and really helped us understand your work better. We definitely look forward to seeing what new technologies emerge in the 3D bioprinting world. So oh, that's my pleasure. Thank Good you. Job. On behalf of myself, our director, Dr. Emilio Alarcon, and the whole Feeds Radio Research team, thank you so much for joining us today. This episode was written and directed by Isha Kahunia and Garoz Gallo, and hosted by myself, Nandini Biani. All copyrights reserved to Beats Research Radio and the University of Ottawa. Thank you.